0: Coronavirus diagnoses are soaring across the midwest and across the metro but leaders can't get on the same page for mitigation methods and that could be dangerous as st louis public radio reporter sarah fenton explained on today's st louis on the air you're not only looking
1: at different restrictions in the city and the county, you're looking at all the different counties around like I was in Jefferson County yesterday, I was coming back from hiking down in the St. Francis Mountains and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like nobody was wearing a mask there because it wasn't required. Like I was at a QT and, um, you know, like I I think I saw one other person, but they're not required down there. Mm -hmm. Um, You're seeing the governor and the state health department having sort of different messaging You're seeing the county and the city having different messaging. And I can understand why people are kind of throwing up their hands and giving up, because um, if you're hearing so many different things from so many different authority figures, it makes sense to me that you would just get exhausted, right?
0: I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. The metro area has seen an average of 2,206 new COVID-19 cases per day over the last week. That's up 43% over the week prior. So far, to date, 2,036 people in the region have died. Dr. Alex Garza, commander of the St. Louis Metropolitan Pandemic Task Force, stressed at a press conference Friday how close we are to overtaxing our local health care systems.
1: We are also asking the state to work with our systems emergency managers to start planning for what will happen when the healthcare systems become overwhelmed. Our healthcare heroes have fought valiantly day after day, but we have no reserves. We have no backup that we can suddenly muster to come in and save the day. If we stay on the path that we're on even just two more weeks, we will not have the staff we need to care for patients. It's now just a numbers game. We are danger close.
0: That is Dr. Alex Garza. And those numbers come with a real human cost. A St. Louis-area woman held back tears late last month as she pleaded for the public to follow public health guidelines. Jennifer Duffy's mother died in late September after being diagnosed with COVID-19.
2: It's really easy to catch COVID. My mom was so careful. That's the scariest thing. It's devastatingly quick. In 14 days, she went from being perfectly healthy to gone. We weren't able to be with her. She fought four days in the ICU, and I thank all the nurses who were her family for her, because we could not be. What's harder than the grief of losing her is the state of this world and the disgust that I feel when I see the values she brought us up with of love, respect, and kindness, not apparent in the people around us. And I don't understand why it's so hard to sacrifice to wear a mask if it can save somebody else like my mother. There's just too many people hurting right now. And I just, I ask myself every day, how many more?
0: That is Jennifer Duffy, who lost her mother to COVID-19. Now, late last week, both St. Louis Mayor Lida Crusen and St. Louis County Executive Sam Page announced new restrictions aimed at curtailing coronavirus spread. And here to tell us the latest on all these fronts is St. Louis Public Radio health reporter Sarah Fenton. So, Sarah, welcome back. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? So we got some pretty dire warnings on Friday. We heard a little bit of, of what Dr. Garza had to say about danger time. What are public health officials asking us to do right now? Um, so that press conference
1: came right after the county announced, um, sort of these, these new restrictions on businesses, which is what got a lot of attention on Friday. Um, so, uh, Credit where credit is due, our intern, Becca, actually covered this because I had to cover Morning Edition, so she did a great job. Um, and so what she found is that these new, uh, these new rules aren't, they're not as stringent as what we looked at last spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big news is, I think, one, um, no more indoor dining in county restaurants, uh, which is something that they've been doing, especially as the weather has gotten colder, Um, And then capacity limits in all businesses are down to 25%. They were at half capacity and now they're at a quarter capacity, uh, according to the fire code. And then also there are um, a few different like mask restrictions, especially as pertaining to, you know, uh, youth sports, like when people have to wear masks. But Mm -hmm. basically that mask mandate has been in effect for a while and it continues to be in effect. Like if you're in public in the county and in the city too, you have to wear a mask.
0: Okay. So those are some big changes in the county. Uh, Is the city seeing uh, similar levels of change? Um, Levels of change in terms of the restrictions,
1: no. I think once, you know, the county said, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to tighten these restrictions back up, everybody was looking at the city and seeing if they were going to follow suit. And they sort of did. Um, Just like the county, uh, the city announced that gatherings of any kind are being restricted to 10 people or fewer Um, and that was the big announcement from the city and so everyone's like but what about businesses currently businesses aren't looking at the same restrictions as the county so this is one of the first times that we've seen uh, the county and the city have I don't want to call them drastically different but Mm -hmm. they are not on the same page in the same way that they were earlier on in the pandemic.
0: This is a divergence. I remember at one point the county had shut down its parks and the city never did that. But, but short of that, I can't think of something this big right. in terms of County And that, that was county a big deal. Yeah. And now
1: this is, this is, you know, drastically kind of different. Well, I don't know if it's drastically. It's definitely significantly different uh, approaches.
0: I saw a quote from Dr. Alex Garza last week where he said, you cannot have an effective campaign strategy with five generals do we currently have five generals? Is this, is this a
1: problem? <laughs> I think we have lots of different generals because you're not only looking at different restrictions in the city and the county, you're looking at all the different counties around. Like I was in Jefferson County yesterday. I was coming back from hiking down in the St. Francis Mountains and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like nobody was wearing a mask there because it wasn't required. Like I was at a QT and, um, you know, like I, I think I saw one other person, but they, they're not required down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing the governor and the state health department having sort of different messaging. You're seeing the county and the city having different messaging. And I can understand why people are kind of throwing up their hands and giving up because um, if you're hearing so many different things from so many different authority figures, it makes sense to me that you would just get exhausted, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I, I think that Garza had a point where you're not seeing a unified response in, in
0: any sense at this point. And are we seeing a substantive difference between the city and the county in terms of cases? Is the reason the city isn't cracking down on restaurants, say, the way the county is that the city's doing a whole lot better? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's
1: that was something that Mayor Cruson brought up on Friday. And she isn't wrong. So I, uh, I checked the numbers right before we started today. And uh, per 100,000 people, uh, St. Louis County has 374 new cases on average. And then St. Louis City has 238 cases per 100,000 people, which is still a whole bunch of cases. but But there is a difference um, there. Yeah, there, there is a difference, and I think that uh, I, I don't know if that has to do with politics or with messaging or what, but you, you are seeing not as much spread within the city as you do within the county, and that could also be because the county is, like, really, really big and encompasses a whole bunch of different kinds of people who have different views on things. and mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, like, that, that was a point, but I think it also misses the point that, you know, I mean, like, if you're a city resident, you go out to the county a lot. You know, like, you know, you go to the mall in West County or you go to, you know, like... There's not a U wall city. between yeah, these there two entities. There well, most Short of, of Jennings, most, as it turns yeah, out. Yeah, right? right. I was going to say Jennings. It's <laughs> a little digression there. Yeah. That, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that it's not like, these aren't permeable, like, we, it's a metropolitan area, and, um, -hmm. and so that was one of the criticisms that I heard from the task force, is, like, it's not, like, it's not like, yeah, there's not a wall in between the city and the county and in between the county and Jefferson County and
0: St. Charles you know. County. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's
1: like it, this is just it's just a big mass of people, no matter any
0: way you cut it. Well, so bigger picture, the reason that we're talking about all these new restrictions is that we're worried about our health care systems being overwhelmed. And Dr. Garza seemed to say, hey, we're very close to this happening here. Um, do we know have things gotten worse um, on that front since what we heard Friday?
1: Um, I took a look, I know I get an update of new admissions every, every day from the task force. And it looked like new hospital admissions. It's so funny to talk about these numbers, because they're so astronomically high. And so if you're looking at like a difference between, you know, 114 new admissions versus 96 new admissions or whatever, like, it did look like it went down a little bit. um, in but like over the weekend, but I mean, down from It's still like this hugely high number, and I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Once you're that high. Yeah, I mean, like, there's they, what I remember hearing was um, they were not happy, but they could manage about 40 new admissions for the coronavirus each day. That's what I, you know, they've said is the baseline of what the highest point they want to see. And then now you're looking at numbers of daily admissions that are twice, if not three times that high. Eesh. And so I think, I think what I, the sense that I got at that press conference was it's only a matter of time until they just become completely
0: swamped. My guest today is St. Louis Public Radio health reporter Sarah Fenton. Um, Sarah, we're getting a couple of questions on Twitter, and I think here's a good one that, that comes from John. He writes, hospitals are already pretty much at capacity, and any action we take now to reduce public ex- exposure won't protect the thousands of people who have already been exposed but not tested yet. What can mm-hmm. hospitals do to meet the already baked-in demand they're facing in the next three weeks? A- any thoughts on, on that? I know that's kind of an impossible question because it's an impossible situation. What will happen if, you know, if we hit this point that everyone keeps saying we're going to hit? It's a good question. It's one I'm looking into. Um,
1: (laughs) What I have heard is, you know, it's everybody's working overtime and they're working really, really hard and they're trying their best. Um, As far as plans of like who, you know, triage policies of who gets what care if there is. A critical shortage of people or supplies that was something that people talked about a lot in the spring and I think it's it's a question that is going to be brought up very soon now as well Hmm. because everyone was so worried in the spring because we heard all of these news stories coming out of Italy about people you know not being given a ventilator or not being given an ICU bed because there just hasn't there wasn't room um, and We thought, oh, God forbid, it'll happen here. And it didn't, luckily, back in the spring. But it's sort of like all of that progress was erased. And now we're having that conversation again. Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure. It's something that I'm looking into. So stay tuned. Um, It is a... It's... I, I... the sense that I got from all the doctors was that that
0: kind of decision making is imminent if something doesn't change very soon. And what about testing? Um, I know there have been periodic problems with people being able to get tests when they need them. At this point, is the sense that if people need to go out and get tested for this, there is a test available, they can get this processed in a timely way?
1: I think like a lot of things, it depends on where you live in Missouri. Like I, I, you know, I, I can't speak for central Missouri or more rural areas where, you know, healthcare access is an issue there in normal times. And so if you live in a rural area and you need to get a coronavirus test, but you don't have transportation or anything, that's an issue. Here in St. Louis, I've, um, you know, we're seeing more and more tests being done
0: Mm -hmm.
1: every day. Um, and it's uh, the good news is that those tests are coming back more quickly uh, around the middle of the summer. We heard a lot about tests taking like two weeks to come back. Now, I think the average is something like two or three days, which is a lot more manageable when it comes to quarantining yourself until you know you're safe. Um, so so that it is better. It is not. perfect system i know like i've gotten a coronavirus test a couple times and i just go to an urgent care and they used to be taking appointments but now you just have to kind of go it's first come first serve and you have to wait in your car Hmm. um so again it the access is is an issue depending on you know like how much time you have how much flexibility at work you have that kind of thing because i remember i had to wait for i think you know, like an hour, and I was lucky that I didn't have anything to do. And I have a job that's flexible, but a lot of people don't have
0: that kind of, Mm -hmm. kind of time. That's an excellent point. Well, look, I mean, we're at this point, we're, I think, two weeks out from Thanksgiving. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of talk about how are people going to manage this holiday with everything that's going on. You're a health reporter. Um, You've paid close attention to what's happening here. What would be your advice for people when it comes to Thanksgiving?
1: Don't see people outside of your household and i know that i i know saying that is you know probably pissing a lot of people off but the the fact is it's i i hear a lot of people saying oh how did i get COVID? i was so careful i only saw a couple people i only saw my one friend but it's like you know or i only saw my one you know my sister and then you have to think like okay well who? You're, what is the one person that your sister's seeing mm-hmm. the one or two people that your sister lives with and the, the fact is it's like this is a respiratory virus and it gets passed from person to person and it doesn't really give you credit for trying most of the time. It's just looking for like a warm body <laughs> to, to, to you know literally. take up <laughs> Yeah, it's literally looking for a warm body to take take up residence in. And, and so I mean I we just made the decision that I we're not gonna go see our our family for Christmas because there's no way that we can have everyone quarantine mm-hmm. for, a, for, you know, the 10 days, 14 days that you need to before I would, I would say if you really want to see people in your family, um, you can sort of quarantine yourself for, you know, uh, I don't know, I think you, like you have to start yesterday, but just stay home and don't have any contacts and then make sure they don't have any contacts and you could do it that way. Um, that's so unrealistic for so many people. And so the bottom line is the safest thing you can do is just stay with the people who you live with or um, something that the, the County has been advocating for is like this idea of COVID pods or like your, they call it a bubble, a Mm -hmm. pod, a bubble. Um, Basically it's like one other household that you only see them. And that's also become something that they're really advocating for because contact tracers are completely overwhelmed and they think okay well if you get sick you can just call your coronavirus pod you can act as your own contact tracer Mm -hmm. and so um my advice would be just to like plan plan it for another time unfortunately there will um, be next year you don't want to get sick you don't want your family to get sick think you know I'm thinking a lot a lot about I follow a lot of nurses and healthcare workers on on Twitter, and they're just they're so they're so upset right now because they feel like no one's listening to them. And uh, I, I what I hear a lot is like, oh, we're drowning, we're drowning. And, um, and if we- you ever think it's really hard, just, you know, like think about having the people who have to spend Thanksgiving in the ICU, and and that makes it a little
2: easier, at least.
0: If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you.